Hi, and welcome to a non-track and non-trail episode of Real Trail Talk. I am Donovan D'Souza from The Long Ways Better. And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Pi. Welcome to episode 57. As Don mentioned, we are not talking about specific trails or tracks, but rather an an alternate hobby um, that we both partake in over the summer months when hiking isn't really an option. Yeah. So joining us because she has a wealth of experience is Siobhan Hansen, who is a adventure, water sports, diving, snorkeling guru around Perth. Would that be correct, Siobhan? Just an enthusiast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we brought her in because we are talking about snorkeling and diving around WA. So this will be a two-part episode. So part one, which you're listening to at the moment, will be Perth and the southwest, and then we'll go up the Coral Coast and the northwest to continue. So we're going to define Perth, the northern border, as Yanchip Lagoon as a snorkeling destination. Now I've not done this one, and neither of you, Donovan. No, but I haven't. You have Siobhan. Yep, so I have. do you want to tell all the listeners what makes that a good snorkeling spot? It's a good family-oriented snorkel spot. So you can bring the children and have a first go at snorkeling there, and you'll spot just little reefy fish. And yeah, it's crystal clear, beautiful. It's just a really nice. Um, pool-like lagoon. So, hmm. awesome. Next on the list is the Marmion Angling and Aquatic Club dive trail that they've just put in. So this one is like a new trend in Perth that's happened, where we put in snorkel trails when really it's not necessarily needed, but it's a good way of getting people out. Mm. I think it's a bit like the 1988 trend of Heritage Trail. Like, if you say Heritage Trail, you'll get some money. And here, if you add the word trail to anything, you'll get some money. Mm. I mean, it's a good location. I mean, there's plenty of parking where there is. It's a popular, like, activity hub anyway for runners and cyclists. So it's good to get people out in the water. And it's basically an out um, depth to about six metres. And then you come in... Um, via there's like a break in the two little exposed reefs there and it was really cool um, actually there's lots of seagrass there and kelp Um, fish were a little hard to find on my visit but I did see an eagle ray uh, my first one in the water on that visit so that was pretty cool but again a good um, good beginner's trail to start with if you're looking at getting into snorkeling Mm. do you think the fact that there is a trail makes it easier for someone who is maybe unaware of of how to snorkel um yes and no like i found it really hard to find the trail because it's a series of underwater plinths you're meant to follow and after a while i just lost where they were but Mm. like it's a good guide when you're looking at the map as to where you should be going anyway so if you're not really following the plinths it's no big deal um just go out to where you're comfortable and it shows you where the exposed reefs are if you're not too comfortable um in shallow water Mm. And then moving on, Medham's Pool. This is one that I've been meaning to go to, but I haven't got quite got around to it. It looks like a cool spot. Yeah, it is a pretty cool spot. Mm. What do you think of it, Siobhan? Oh, I really liked it. So I went there fairly recently with one of my dive buddies. So I believe the history of Medham's Pool is that it uh, was blasted out to allow access to some old, older people with... Um, you know, who are frail and couldn't have access to the ocean. So it's a small little bathing lagoon Mm. inside. So those who aren't experienced or children can enjoy a little snorkel inside the shallows. And then you can go past and outside the reef and experience. It's like, it was really good um, 
a variety of life there. It was like a little mini rot nest. So the same sort of kelp and swim throughs, um, schooling fish, tarween. Oh, it was it was really good snorkel. But you do have to be careful about your conditions there because any bit of surge or swell, and it's just not pleasant. It gets the visibility gets really poor and. It's not a great snorkel if it's not the right conditions. So you mm. do have to check the direction of the swell and uh, the height of the swell and, of, of course, wind as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, But we picked a really good day and went out. So no wind, um, no swell, great conditions to, to have a look there. Mm. Mm. The day that I went there, because I've only been the one time, it was probably not the best conditions, but it still was teeming with life. And there's a lot of, I guess, really interesting architecture of the you know the reef to to swim around and through and because of that there were a lot of fish like a lot of um a lot of morwongs mm -hmm. which i think uh, we Alyssa and i always look for them when we see them because they've got that they really grumpy face and they're always a little bit you know antisocial. oh and they're an impressive fish they're really large too so yeah. you know um people actually do the wrong thing and will spear them and they shouldn't because they apparently taste terrible and yeah um, i've heard bleed that. a lot and things um mm -hmm. Poor old dusky morong um, needs to be looked after a little bit. So you know, yeah. everybody leave him alone. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder they're so antisocial, yeah, <laughs> grumpy yeah. looking. And they're always in pairs too. Did you notice that? I haven't noticed that, but I uh, now that you say that, I generally do see at least two rather than just the one. I either don't see them or a few. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Mm. And what's the depths on the other side of the reef like? Is it fairly deep? Um, it's only about five or six meters, so you know, deep enough that you can have a good time in a swim through if you feel comfortable diving down and, and going in, but also shallow enough that um, someone who's newer to snorkeling can see the bottom and feel really happy and comfortable snorkeling there. Nice. Mm. Uh, moving on to Rotness, so this is kind of like the the best of Perth snorkeling locations. Yeah. Um, the island is pretty much full of just great snorkeling. Each little bay has its own little protected area you can explore. But the main ones, I guess we'll talk about the Basin, Salmon Bay, Little Salmon Bay, Parker Point, yeah. Little Armstrong Bay. Mm. All really cool. Yeah, I think we've we have talked about the trails there before. We talked about Rotness. Yeah. Um, however, I think that the best one there is Salmon Bay, not Little Salmon Bay, but Big Salmon Bay. The amount of coral there is really impressive, and I think as far as coral reef near a capital city goes, I think that that'll be pretty hard to beat anywhere in Australia with any of the other capital cities. Mm, because mm. of the direction of the Lewin Current, so it's the southernmost most extension that all of that life that lives in warmer waters and likes um, meets you know at this latitude so mm. things that um, wouldn't live in the south live right it's because of the Lewin current so it's sort of a tr uh, trickle down from um, you know Ningaloo through the Abrolhos and then just at that very end of the Lewin current is a rot nest so mm. all of that life is kind of deposited there and, and the warm current provides really good conditions for all these interesting fish and grasses and um, corals to grow and really well there yeah mm. So I think your beginner snorkeler or visitor will visit Rot Nest and go snorkeling and not realise like you get the bright corals mm. that you wouldn't expect um, this far south and it's kind of cool to see them, especially the big purple ones and yeah, different variety and, of yeah. fish and mm. yeah, it's mm. just it's just an underrated thing about Rot Nest I think is the um, 
the it's, snorkeling. It's there. much better than cocker selfies, seriously. <laughs> yeah. 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 Go grab yourself a, a dusky moor <laughs> selfie <laughs> instead. Or I love all the swim throughs. I'm a real swim through fan. So because it's a limestone island, the you know undersea has been carved out by all the currents and channels, and you can mm. you can go for a dip and through and have a mm. good time doing that. You know, within safety. Your, your own limits of course but yeah, yeah that's, I just love Rottnest for that I think that's mm. one of the cool things about Rottnest is that the southern side of it is more the coral gardens mm. and then the north side's got a lot of really nice rocky uh, swim throughs and like the bays there are, they have a different character so they, they maybe don't have the the big ticket of the coral reefs as much but they still have other things that are worth snorkeling through and seeing. Absolutely. And the other good thing about Rottnest, given the difference in the north and south, is that you can, on any given wind condition, you can find a bay that's suitable for the wind um, mm. direction of that day. So if it's the uh, southwest whipping through, you can always find something on the northeast of the island that's well protected. So that's something great about Rottnest. You can kind of adjust your trip planning for and find a really great spot whereas if you're on the mainland you might be a bit stuck if it's a southwest really howling through that day yeah and especially yeah perth summer conditions is usually best for snorkeling and you usually get the frio dock to come in mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah it's a great it all out. Yeah. Mm. there's a really good book um and i've seen it at the chart and map shop down in Fremantle, but it's a snorkeler's guide to rottenness and it's got um not topographic maps but over hand drawings basically of um all of the highlighted interesting cave here um ad- suggested snorkel trails almost for every single bay at rotness mm. so i really recommend people would check mm. that out if they really wanted to explore rotness really thoroughly it's a mm. really good really good option mm. yeah and it'll give you a um a chart of uh which bays work on which wind directions as well so that's a good one to pick up awesome because there is a, a book they sell over on the island and it's like a fisheries guide but it's mainly yeah. for fishing not yeah fish um, iding yeah. yeah so that's great if you love that sort of um naturist kind of i'm, I'm terrible with naming fish i have a friend who's always yeah. naming them i always forget the names really quickly, <laughs> but i just you know call them oh the, the upside down looking fish with the big eye and yeah. uh, uh, but yeah um, so moving from one popular spot to another, uh, the Omeo Wreck, or Omeo, however you want to pronounce that. Yeah. Um, interesting history, and it's really weird that it's only just become like a big thing recently, now they've put a trail in. Mm. So going back to the you build it and people will come. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really cool area, although it's starting to become way too popular for its own good. Yeah, so I, we this is one that for Alyssa and I is not far, so we go quite often. Because if you if you just want something that's, you know, you want half an hour in the water, an hour in the water, you can go. It's pretty easy. You're generally likely to see something of interest. However, recently I went on a hot weekend and it was, I th- it's almost become a victim of its own success. Uh, I saw a lot of people leaving some trace. They were standing mm. on the wreck. Mm. Uh, they were... You know, touching way too much. Yeah. And there was hardly any fish there. So they were, all the fish must be hiding inside, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's something that... It says to me, well, I think it's great that it exists. And I'm, I'm glad that the, you know, the build it and they will come mantra worked. However, I think that there needs to be a bit more of a dispersal of people because it, it does get a bit too popular. Um, you know, I grew up in the area and as a kid, no one went there you know it was always people went to woodman point but now it's super super busy 
and uh yeah i think for the future of the wreck and also for just for the experience of of people going to see it it's um something that needs to be monitored i think that they don't go too crazy with the numbers mm. you do see the um differences in um growth on the 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 trail over the winter and the summer as well so i went with a friend last winter and you sort of see a huge difference in the growth and the life because not as many people are snorkeling on it in the winter mm. Mm. so it sort of proves that point that you just made and al also at the moment there's a whole lot of sand that's been washed in and so it's not as like you can't go inside as much which is a shame because that was always a cool thing to kind of get in there and see all the fish hiding inside and now they've got less of a place to, to stay. But hopefully as the weather changes, it will clear out. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing about snorkeling is every time you go somewhere, it'll be different mm. based on weather, based on what species of fish are around. So, mm. Mm. yep. Yeah, that's a really cool area I love. It. And I like that they're adding to it all the time, although mm. I think they've maybe got the placement a bit wrong because some of the deeper... Um, structures they put in it's always very murky every time I go mm. um, especially the big temple that's I think right near the seawall at the very end yeah they've got two of them now two or three mm. so they've got the older one and the two newer ones are quite close by mm. and they're you know the difference between the growth on the old and the new because I remember mm. snorkeling the trail when it first got put in and watching it grow and now we get to see all these things um, all the new items get their growth happening mm. yeah um, yeah, and they've got a new cannon and a new, um, or new like habitats and things like that to look mm. in. There's sometimes octopus in there. Um, if you look along the seawall as well, it's always very interesting. So don't forget that that may or may not be officially part of the trail, but all those rock walls are hiding some really cool things. There's always crays in there to look at. And, um, you know, you can go for a little bit deeper there. It's 10 or 11 metres as well. Yeah, cool there. And also in the area is Ammo Jetty. There's a series of jetties here. So Ammo Jetty and the Grain Terminal, which you're allowed mm. to um, go on. Yeah, and there's Rob's Jetty just near Woodman Point as well. So there used to be an abattoir in the area um, and horse tracks apparently, and Rob's Jetty was part of that. So Rob's Jetty is near the sculpture of C.Y. O'Connor. And so you can locate these poles and just there's a lot of growth on the poles and a couple lying down. Um, it's good good and sort of deeper if you like to go a little bit deeper and look at look at the fish you can look in the pipes and poles mm. and things and then you have the ammo jetty the grain terminal and the bulk jetty they call them so just um the pylons get some really interesting polyps and corals um it can be really beautiful and on a slightly uh, less ideal conditions you're a little bit protected in a in a jetty um the visibility might be a little bit better but the Bulk Jetty in Quinana has got this beautiful atrium at the end of it. It's got sort of its existing beamwork still remains and you feel like you're in almost like a um, like a greenhouse kind of thing at the end of the jetty. It's really quite beautiful. Mm. So um, they're, they're always interesting to look at, jetties. Don't forget about those. Mm. And how's the access to the jetty, especially the grain terminal? Is it certain times that you're allowed to visit or are you just allowed all the time? There's signage up that says you're not allowed to visit. Um, <laughs> but everyone goes. But yeah. everyone does go. Um, look, I, I haven't, I haven't seen any, any sort of crane terminal police down there <laughs> kicking people off. But look, it's all. I think all of these things are within your own limits, within your own risk. But there's mm. always other divers down there. There's always other snorkels, snorkelers, always other snorkeling groups. I think mm. it's um. 
you know, you really have to self-assess with snorkeling. So if you feel that you're a beginner snorkeler and, you know, everything's with, within your own limits. So you, you have a snorkeling buddy and, you know, you should not allow them to push you where you're not ready to be pushed and go to places where you're not comfortable to go to. You can always say, you know, look, this isn't for me. And by the same token, if you feel a little bit more advanced, then find a suitable buddy for you to go with. Um, it's no good trying to push your partner into doing something they're not comfortable doing. Mm. Um, and a little further south, around Rockingham area, we have Point Perrin, uh, which is a place we went was it last year, Don. Yeah, last Together. year, and over the summer when we were like getting the cabin fever from yeah. the hiking. Mm. Um, so there's a couple of spots here within that same sort of bay and beach that you can pretty much swim to. Um, from each one and it's really cool spot like it's fairly mm. sheltered inside but then you can go on the other side of the reef and gets a little bit wilder mm. and this is also the uh, the point where the hammerheads like to congregate mm. um, there was a viral video that went around last year with um, a girl I follow on Instagram and there's a drone footage of her above the hammerheads as they were going along mm. which was really really cool you go quite often, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I love Point Perrin. I think, again, it's like a little bit of a mini rot nest. Um, and there's, all, you know, you, for me, depending on the weather, I've got about an hour and a half in me, maybe two hours of snorkel time. And so Point Perrin's quite a large area. So you can't really do it all in one visit, I feel. Um, it also has a snorkel trail and official plinth sort of thing. Children enjoy that kind of um, Easter egg hunt of finding the plinth, finding the plinth. Um, mm. There's all these different areas. So... Um, there's a couple of different arms of Point Perrin where you can go around and then there's a bay and then go around again and there's another bay and you'll find um, swim-throughs and bunkers and lots of different holes to explore towards the outer reef. All sorts of different life. So you'll see there's a resident eagle ray, a really large eagle ray. You'll see a crayfish. You'll see um, baler shells with the you know the mollusk out crawling across the sand there's always something different last time i was there we saw a large large schooling fish um series of schooling fish and then immediately after four or five dolphins popped up and said hello <laughs> yeah it was really wonderful so you can really score well with point perrin um and it's not usually too crowded there's people there but i wouldn't say it's like the omeo where it's packed out and busy and people are are ruining things mm. although last time i did see a man um taking quite a big shell from Point Perrin and you know it's it's a reminder not that we're not supposed to touch we're not supposed to take leave no trace kind of thing mm. but it's kind of really like rubs me the wrong way when you see shell collection does mm. it you uh, it's not not so much all the time but I think if it is a protected area mm. then no yeah <laughs> you know? yeah it there's is, there yeah. are some beaches where it's perfectly fine to beach comb mm -hmm. um, but then there's some areas and some people go you know, they go nuts as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so around the Rockingham area, there's actually quite a few. And Penguin Island is another one which has some great snorkeling. Accessible by ferry or you could walk the sandbar. Again, assess the your own yeah. risk on that one. <laughs> yeah. Officially, you should take the ferry. Unofficially, it is possible to walk and you will see people doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously this is where you need to know a little bit about the tides and the wind and the weather and the problem is when people do it and they haven't looked at what the weather's going to be and they attempt to walk out in high tide in 20 knots wind and they do actually have a jet ski um, lifeguarding that point over this peak summer and they will chase people off and say 
stop walking, you're not allowed to walk, and they'll they'll escort you off now because mm. wow. it's, unfortunately a few people have passed away from from doing that and not being prepared, not read the weather, mm. and not being able to swim. So, um, with good reason, I think Rockingham councillors mm. um, set that up so that there's no further loss of life. Yeah, which is unfortunate, but because you know, as a kid, it's kind of what what it was the done thing you would take a picnic and your dad would hold the esky above his head and walk over to Penguin <laughs> Island and there we'd go for the day. But anyway, yeah, so yeah. You, you should take the ferry. Yeah. <laughs> you can kayak there yourself You as can, well, or sup. Which we've yep. done. So yep. It's a nice little paddleboard. Mm. Yep. Yep. And, yeah, a lot of the good um, snorkelers on the western side of the island. Mm. So you mm. do have to pick your conditions there as well. So it should be a very um, very light westerly or southwesterly or, or more so an easterly. Otherwise, you're going to get... Um, sort of, you just get bashed into the reef a little bit. It's just not pleasant. Visibility will be poor. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it's not the done thing to snorkel on the northern side of the island or the northeast side, is it, where the seal colony or the penguin colony is, sorry. Yeah, they're really protective of the penguins. Mm. And um, if you don't come across on the ferry, they'll individually say, oh, hello, you know, you're here for the day. And they'll say, look, don't touch the penguins, don't talk to the penguins, leave the penguins alone because they want to make sure that any visitor knows to be careful of the penguins. So mm. They're all they're all in a um, habitat these days. There's sort of not many of them roaming around. But, yeah, you're not supposed to be um, snorkelling on the northeast. Yeah. Mm. That's where they're nesting. Yeah. Another island, a group of islands off there is Seal Island and Karnak Island, which you can only get to via boat or kayak. Yeah, so Seal Island is in that same area and Karnak is um, halfway between, say, Frio and Rottnest. So Karnak, yes, same again, accessible by boat. Both islands you're not to set foot on. You're not supposed to actually land on with your your person or a vessel. So most people would kayak over to Seal Island. There's a little, there's a couple of um, like boat moorings there where you can rest. And the thing with snorkeling with the seals, there is a risk. Um, you know, they are wild creatures. They they can cause some serious damage. Mm. So the idea is that the seals come to you. If they feel like playing, they will come to you. So when I've been on snorkel tours with um, sea lion charters, they'll tell you if you play around in the water and do some dives and flips and splashes, that's the best way of inviting them out. Mm. When we went to Karnak on a trip, um, it didn't seem like the seals were keen. We, we left, we went around the corner a little bit, and then 10 minutes later, boop, up popped a seal and he joined us when he felt ready. So that's just mm. something to be really mindful of when mm. uh, attempting to snorkel with seals that uh, when you're not on a charter. Sure. So, so are these seals or sea lions? Oh, there'll be sea lions. Yeah. <laughs> Australian <laughs> Australian sea lions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the big puppies of the sea. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're absolutely gorgeous, but there is there is a risk. And actually a tourist recently got her leg That's right. um, bitten. I think that was it. Geraldton, somewhere up there, yeah. Mm. But yeah, so it's if you if you look it up, it was fairly recently, but not pleasant. Mm. Um, so leaving the Perth metro area, uh, shift down south. Um, there's obviously a lot of snorkeling spots around, so we'll just talk about the ones that we have visited. And Bustleton Jetty, um, I think, looks certainly one of the best snorkeling spots in the southwest. Um, very similar to the the jetties we already talked about, but on a massive scale because of the length of the jetty. Yeah, yep. And the um, life that you can see at the end of the jetty, huge, huge schooling fish, um, and just the kinds of corals and polyps. So, 
schooling fish aside, I think the star of the show is the colours of the corals and polyps on the pylons. Just this bubblegum pink and it's just gorgeous and you really, really do want to touch it, but you obviously don't. (laughs) Um, But it's just just those colours. So it's really easy to access. So you actually pay to walk on the jetty. So um, that actually fun, the, the tram and the walking on the jetty publicly funds the um, refurbishment and maintenance of the jetty. So it's always good to, um, you know, you shouldn't feel like um, your money's not going anywhere. Oh, I'm paying to walk three kilometres. It's going to the um, the foundation. Mm. So you can walk to the end of the jetty. There's swimming platforms along the way. So if you, for some reason you don't feel like walking all the way to the end of the jetty, you can access at various points. But the best um, marine life is at the end of the jetty, the deepest area of um of the jetty and there's a large swimming platform at the end where the um they have divers go off as well but it's really great you can get your gear ready and and go in there's ladder access it's really really user-friendly suitable for all levels um you do need to be careful with the weather a little bit so on a certain winds will make it a little bit murky um so just just check the weather Mm. and there's locker access on the jetty isn't there close yeah. to the dive area yeah there yeah. is and you're not supposed to go close to the viewing tank at the bottom as well <laughs> you're not supposed to go within 10 meters and mm. do like you know faces on the window or oh, like, oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. supposed to moon them or anything yeah. <laughs> i heard as well that there's like this like space suit thing there they is, can do yeah. so you can wear that to walk on the bottom <laughs> yeah i've seen that yeah it looks is it pretty good? it looks pretty cumbersome but yeah. if you haven't experienced diving or for some reason are a little bit nervous about it and just kind of want to do that for the novelty it looks kind of cool looks yeah. a little bit cumbersome but kind of fun it'd be good to do as like a, a bucket list thing or a birthday present or something like that yeah mm. and how deep is it at the end of the jetty mm, it'd be about seven or eight meters yeah so a lot of people who are um a little bit rusty on diving before they go into the other areas of the southwest some of them will do a refresher dive at the jetty just to get their um sort of you know diving diving legs back again mm. Mm. cool and uh, moving further south so still on the the geograph bay area um castle bay near dunsborough um donovan you raved about this when you yeah went. this this was so we went down and uh i think around march last year and we were just missing ningaloo because we'd just done ningaloo in october the previous year and I just wanted something that was as good in terms of the the both the clarity, the amount of fish, the amount of, of interesting things to see. And when we went there, as soon as we got in the water, I went, oh, wow, this is amazing because the visibility was the best I've seen. Because uh, a lot of times with the winds coming in, there's, you know, there's not a lot to protect the coast on from um, from basically from Perth down. But because the Cape is there, you know, it kind of protects the Geograph Bay, especially in that middle point there near Castle Bay and Mealup, uh, Bunker Bay, that whole area. So we went through there and while it doesn't have coral, it has a lot of seaweed and it has all these granite boulders in the water. So I think generally the more interesting the architecture is underwater, the more interesting it's going to be. There's going to be a lot more fish there. So we saw... A whole lot of fish. Uh, I saw a uh, a shark, small shark, um, and then it, we saw a sc- school of squid sw- swimming through. 
And at the end, just when we were about to finish, a massive stingray swam right past me and then between the rocks where Alyssa was and then past the bay and then, then out. And that was incredible. It was, it was probably it was the best snorkel I've done outside of heading to Ningaloo. So, yeah, it was really good and I really recommend it. And the other side of the cave, uh, Yelling Up Lagoon. Um, not done this one, but it looks quite interesting. No one's done it? I have. You yeah. have? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll rephrase that. I, um, I didn't like it as much as Castle Bay. So we did this first and I was like, yeah, it's all right. I mean, it's it's nice in that it's sheltered, it's easy. It's, you know, you just walk down the steps and it's there. But, you know, it, it was no better than Metham's Pool. And a lot of people sort of big upped it, but there's the on the day that we went, you couldn't go much further out because the waves were really bad, and they were having like a surf competition, so you can kind of see what kind of weather um, it was there. So uh, it was it was nice, but it was like, well, I could just go to Metham's Pool, which is you know a half hour drive for me, whereas this was a few hours drive. So I didn't didn't love it, and it certainly wasn't as good as going to to Castle Bay. Um, so along this stretch, um, as you're running through the Cape to Cape, there's a lot of spots. And one of them is the aquarium, which is a very popular area, um, accessible just off the track. And another one along the Cape to Cape is Hamlin Bay, which is famous for the rays that like to frequent um, that little um, historic jetty there mm. and interact with the tourists. I've not been game to snorkel there because while they are very friendly, I found the water a bit murky. But people rate it, so... Yeah. But, it, I mean, it, at the very least, I think it's worth going there to interact with the rays. I, I actually enjoyed it more than Monkey Maya with the dolphins. Mm. I mean, it's certainly picking up in popularity and, again, leave no trace. Like, they're not there for you to pat. Um, gives them the respect because they do have a big stinger on the end. Mm. And you never know what sets them off. But yeah, I'm quite keen to do that one. I am thinking I'm going to take my snorkel gear on the Cape to Cape and maybe have a go if I get good weather. Mm. Mm, they yeah. say you can go out towards the direction of the island that's there. Mm. So it looks really good. I'm super keen to do that. Um, folks who live down there, that's really popular with the locals. Mm. Mm. And moving around, so the south coast kind of, it's not the best area because of the weather. It gets battered quite yeah. heavily by the winds. King waves kill. King, yes, and the, uh, the quite tall cliffs make it a bit hard to access the water. <laughs> um, but around um, the Denmark area, you do have Greenspool, which is a, a very sheltered bay, very pretty bay, um, and another popular tourist spot. Yeah, again, very similar to Castle Bay in that rough area but because it's sheltered it can be very calm and so again this is a lot of interesting granite formations underwater where you can swim around and as a re as a result you'll see interesting things so we did this just before they closed the park recently for the renovations that they're doing and i saw some rays i saw a lot of a lot of different fish all through the area and even though it's very popular, people don't generally go out to the outer walls of the the pool, mm. uh, mainly because they don't want to get taken out. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot to see in there, and I, I, I rated it as a place because it's a mix of things. Sometimes it's really good to have great visibility and see things, and sometimes it can be murky, but you see a lot more, and then that that's makes it fine. 
but I think generally the conditions are really good to see things here so as a result you're more likely to have an enjoyable snorkel so yeah really rate it and if that bay is too busy you can always try elephant rock um, and then further down there is also a secret beach just a little bit further around and that also is sheltered and um, has similar granite formations so moving away from Denmark, there is one spot near Albany that's quite nice, which is Waichinika, which you've snorkeled, mm, Siobhan, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful little inlet. So I'd heard about it through a local and um, had a paddle on my sup and then hopped in snorkeling at the end. Beautiful boulders and there's usually dolphins at the end because apparently it's a birthing place for the dolphins. So I was there again, the dolphins came in. It was just magic, really, really nice spot. And you can actually camp there as well. So it's mm. kind of got everything for a great little getaway. Mm. And I guess we'll give a, a hearty special mention to some other spots um, around the coast. So Bremer Bay, Hopeton, Fitzgerald River National Park and Cape Legrand all have the similar granite um, sheltered bays that you can snorkel at. And I guess in the future we'll be visiting and checking out those areas yeah last time i was in fitzgerald river i was by myself and i didn't have my snorkeling gear with me anyway but the waters are pretty calm because a lot of those bays are quite sheltered and i re really regretted not having my snorkeling gear because it looked like a really good spot but i get you do have to pick your day though because there are lots of rips around yeah. um, those areas so if it is a bit out of your depths so to speak um <laughs> yeah just be careful um so while we've got you here siobhan we might as well talk about snorkel safety and then also the jump from snorkeling to more advanced snorkeling and then on to diving um do you first of all start with the the safety aspect do you have any tips for people starting out and what they should be doing to make sure that they're safe yeah i think it's a good idea to have uh, an experienced buddy or a buddy that you can you feel really safe and and trust so someone who um you know i just started snorkeling with my dad so i always felt particularly safe with him and then you know as i grew older and gained more experience snorkeling i learned that hey this isn't too scary too intimidating and you sort of grow your experience and and now I'm kind of the person that people want to go snorkeling with to more to learn more about snorkeling so you got to really find that person and there are some good and knowledgeable groups on Facebook and things like that and you sh shoot out any questions and people will answer and shoot out that you're looking for a buddy and people will respond um, so that's a you know finding the right buddy is, is key and always having a buddy that's that is absolutely number one you should never go snorkeling alone or diving of any kind alone um, getting into getting a little bit better so reading the weather is really important so learn basically in in perth in wa we're looking for the southwest wind the wind is going to come up usually in the afternoons and and possibly destroy any snorkeling plans that you had for the day so it's usually a pattern of a light easterly in the morning picking up to a southwesterly of 20 knots plus in the afternoon and working out how that relationship between the wind and the shape of the bays or the shape of the coastline works so you're looking for the leeward side of a bay to snorkel in if there's a southwest there so you're looking for the wind to reach land and 
there be a bit of a wind shadow for you to snorkel in if there is a bit of um, bit of that southwest breeze blowing. But ideally, you're snorkeling on a nice light easterly in the morning. That's usually the typical Perth pattern. So learning that that pattern, learning to use weather apps like Willy Weather, Sea Breeze, Windy App, or MedEye. And as you practice, you get a little bit better at working these things out and reading the weather pattern. Um, and then if you're really into snorkeling and wanting to learn how to how to um, take better photos or stay down for a little bit lo- longer, I highly recommend doing a freediving course. So this allows you to um, learn how to safely extend your underwater time, extend your breath hold. So I did a course and it was really, really interesting. So not just for the snorkeling side of things, but also the mindfulness relaxation side of things. So it teaches you to slow yourself down, to slow your heartbeat down, to slow your um, oxygen um, utilization down to relax because you can't extend your breath hold if you're not relaxed. So it was a really, really interesting course to do. And I highly recommend doing one of those if you're either interested in mindfulness in any way or you're interested in snorkeling. Because hmm. So I think it was a documentary once about free drivers and they have like a ridiculously low resting heart rate. It's mm. like 30 or something mm, when yeah. your average would be 50 to 60 if you're healthy. Yep, that's right. And they, they, tra- they train, there's a number of people who do like dry land training where you, f- you have apps on your phone and you're practicing at home or you're practicing in the pool and they're really, um, very, really quite serious about it. You know, they might be trying for maximum deaths or maximum breath holds or competing. I'm, n- I'm not going down that road. I just really do this to get become a better snorkeler and to, to look at things longer under the water or to, to follow things with my GoPro and take pictures longer or to um, challenge myself with some swim throughs. So I've done freediving level one and maybe I'll do freediving level two after a year or so. And um, that's kind of where I'm heading with things, just getting more enjoyment out of my snorkeling. So if you're in that sort of level of feeling like um, you're wondering where to go with your snorkeling, I really recommend a freediving course. Yeah. And in terms of gear, what would you recommend someone if they're looking to get a little bit more serious mm. apart from just the basic sets you could buy? Yeah, well, um, I would recommend wetsuits. So a lot of people don't snorkel with a wetsuit because they feel that, oh, it's quite a warm summer's day. Um, you know, the water's not that cold, but a wetsuit will really help you to stay out for a little bit longer. Um, something like I snorkel and swim and kite in a 4-3 all summer. So I'm a, I'm a little bit, um, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a wuss when it comes to the cold, but um, long arms, long legs, I feel, protects you from the sun as well. So, you know, you can always get the good old burn on the back of the leg when you're snorkeling. And not. Mm. So sun protection, warmth protection to extend your snorkeling time. And then with adding that rubber to your body, you're adding buoyancy. So I really recommend a weight belt, even if you're a, a beginner snorkeler. Um, it's going to give you equal equilibri- equilibrium in the water. So that neutral buoyancy. If you are a little bit more advanced and you're going for a little bit of a dive through a swim through or looking at a fish or taking a photo, you're going to be fighting against the rising to the top all the time if you're not wearing a weight belt. So if you go into your local dive shop, they'll be able to help you out with um, how many weights to wear and what kind of weight belt you're going to need. Yeah, and then just you can start with some very basic fins, mask, snorkel, that sort of thing you can adjust as you go. So... Um, there's a number of great dive shops in Perth and the staff are always really happy and knowledgeable to help you and tell them what, you, what you're looking for. Uh, the fit of your mask is really important. The dive shop personnel will be able to help you, um, you know, put it on and see if it's a good fit. Snorkel, 
Yeah, that's the great thing about snorkeling is you don't need a whole lot of gear and it's not super expensive once you're set up. And then, of course, all it is is maybe petrol to get to the snorkeling spot. It's something everyone can enjoy and it's a good family activity. Cool. Yeah, that was very thorough. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, so that's it for Perth and the Southwest. Um, thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back in two weeks. Yes, we'll be back in two weeks with the second part of the snorkeling series as we look to the north of Perth, to the rest of Western Australia. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode or any other episode of Real Trail Talk, then please rate us on whatever platform you're currently listening to us on. Ratings really help for us to reach an audience and for people who maybe are looking to learn about the outdoors in Western Australia and Australia in general. If you had any questions or any suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at realtrailtalk at gmail.com or you can contact us through our social media channels. Thank you for listening and we'll be back in two weeks.